I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, that was fun. We got to see some of the rookies do their thing. The core seven sat. Grant Williams showed us what he's about. Carson Edwards was okay, I guess. He'd done some cool stuff. He'd done some bad stuff. Taco showed everybody why he's not ready to play in the NBA and especially why he's not ready to play in the playoffs. Vincent Poirier, I can see why he's being redshirted. We're going to get into all of it, so let's just kick it off with... I'm joined by Mr. Wayne Breezy and Mr. Tim Shields. Happy Wednesday. It's a late release because the game was on until 3 a.m. my time and there ain't no way I'm recording at 3 a.m. The wife would not be happy with me. How are you guys doing? Doing good, man. Enjoying this nice morning so far. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm doing real good, man. It's good to be on in the morning. Loving life. Loving life. So let's start with the elephant in the room. Taco Fall, as far as I'm concerned, he was far too aggressive in wanting the ball on the block. I've tweeted about this this morning. If you're going to request the ball on the block, then you need some post moves to go with it. A simple drop step for a guy of Taco's size is going to be absolutely huge. It will make room for him down on, the low, low, down on the low block underneath the rim. He can either go up and under or he can just jam it down at his size. He wasn't really doing either. He was kind of going for this like turnaround hook shot. Or he'd just try and lay it up if he couldn't get into dunking range. I'd much rather see him operate more as a vertical guy. So set a screen, start rolling, catch the ball. And he's long enough that he could probably jam it from about, what, six, seven feet away from the rim. Like, there was just too much, I want the ball on the low block and I want ISO ball there. And it's just, one, it's not Brad Stevens basketball. Two, in the modern era, it's not winning basketball. And three, he just doesn't have the skill set to be a huge weapon from that area of the floor yet. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I did see at times in the game where he was requesting the, the ball and they were not passing it to him on the mismatches. Now, I, I know it looks like it's always going to be a mismatch because he's like 20 feet tall, but there they, they were point guards on him at one point in, uh, in time, and I just really wanted to, to give him the ball. He does not have any post moves. It's just a, it's just a back, back, down, dribble, dribble, turn around, post, hook, shot, and it rarely goes in. Like, he's, he's best utilized when he's cleaning up or rolling to the basket or cleaning up a, a, a rebound and just putting it right back in. That's when you're seeing Taco be super effective or more effective because he only finished with six points and he was in hella foul trouble. So it's unfortunate but he just needs more time. He needs more time to develop. He needs to develop more skills to his game to make him a better player in the NBA if he's going to want to continue to play on this level. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's just a raw talent in terms of just you can't teach height, and that's the kind of mentality that it comes with Taco Fall. As you said, uh, both of you reiterated this, but with him near the basket, he needs to show more polish. That's the one thing he's going to be able to do consistently is score that close because of his size. But if he can't hit a turnaround, like hook shot one hand when he's within 10 feet of the basket at his height, I really don't know what his place is going to be in the NBA. He got into foul trouble really quick. He played less than 10 minutes, and I think he ended up getting three fouls called on him in about a span of a minute. It was a brutal, brutal sequence for him. So, 
because of his size, he's still going to get destroyed defensively because he just he's not fast enough on those rotations. And because of his size, when there's more of an athlete to try and push into to draw a foul, he's obviously going to get called more. And I don't know. Taco's a very raw prospect. I just don't know how much time they're going to invest in trying to make him better. You know, it's just one of those things where I think they're better service trying to give minutes to Rob Williams or trying to maybe run small ball five with Grant Williams, who, by the way, had another amazing sequence of a game. Just just an absolute showcasing again. And I think he's going to get some major minutes just based off the way we've seen Grant Williams play. But Taco is just more the same. Yeah, I mean, for Taco, Houston was probably the worst matchup to give him an extended run against. Playing that five-out system, the Celtics kind of had to, and Scal said this during the broadcast, and it stuck out to me, the Celtics had to switch to a zone defensive scheme just to be able to keep Taco on the floor. That's difficult. I mean, you're putting a guy in there that's not really the most versatile defensively, that's there to anchor the paint against a team that doesn't really venture into the paint all too often. So it was kind of tough for him there, but this is what's going to happen when you're playing in the NBA. My personal opinion is in the NBA, he's probably one of, if not the least talented players in terms of skill set. All he has going for him at the moment is his size and his scalability to a ceiling of Boban, which I'm not sure he's going to hit. I'm going to leave it there with the taco bashing and kind of move on to Grant Williams, who I am super high on. He was everywhere. He, was, he scored that nice little turnaround jumper from the elbow for two points, hit some freeze. Brad Stevens kind of mentioned the team missed him on a few slip screens that could have got him some easy buckets around the rim. On defense, he was active. He had that one nice strip off Harden. He clogged the lane when it was necessary. He got in shooters' faces when it was necessary. He hit some great passes. He, he, he threw like this bullet pass. I think it was to Poirier. Like he went up for a shot and it was contested. And it was just this bullet of a pass. He had that behind-the-back pass over to Romeo in the corner. He looked great. He really did. He, he's the rookie that's going to get the most playing time as the season progresses into the playoffs. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact of like the multifaceted approach to his game. He's not focusing on one thing. He's constantly trying to make the best basketball decision in the moment. He had this beautiful behind-the-back pass to Javante Green out on the wing for that corner three. That was just like a beautiful look. But he's just gone ahead and taken the moment and just seized it. You know, that game last night was a perfect example where they let him run rampant and he did great. Another guy I do want to say also as well, I was really impressed with Javante Green's minutes. Shemi Ojale has actually really turned a corner, I think, in the way he started to play offensively. But as you said, for the rookies, I think Grant is carving out a serious role for himself. I don't know if they're going to start trying to run him small ball five or if they're going to give him more minutes with the bench, but he's definitely earned them for sure. Most impressive number for me from Grant Williams was his field goal percentage. (laughs) This guy was hitting uh, 80%. So watching him play last night, like running the game, like he, he was like center point, guard running the game like he had two assists he finished with two assists but the assists were so amazing it was like he had 10 assists so it was like he finished with a double double because he just seemed to be when he was on the court he just seemed to be making always making the right play always being in the right spot for a rookie this is letting me know that his IQ 
or the time that he's had away from the NBA, he's been in the books, right? He's been in the books. He's been watching film. He's, he's, he's been in the weight room, right? He's been in the gym. He's, he's been finding ways to assert himself to be more assertive in this Celtics uh, offense and defense, right? In the Celtics system. So Grant Williams, kudos to you, man, because I, I really thought, Going going backwards, I was like, oh, yeah, Simi's definitely going to be the guy. He has the experience. He has this. And I know this was a scrimmage game, but we kept saying every time Grant Williams plays, he seems to just keep getting better and better and better. And it's because he's continuing to want to learn, right? He's continuing to want to learn. And when he's surrounded by talent, that is, it's, it's close to an age that that's not – you know, guys telling him, yo, you need to do this and you need to do that and all these different types of things. He just seems to own his spot. He's owning his role. He's owning his position. I just can't wait to see this or, or what Brad has in store for him going forward when the playoffs actually starts because I most definitely think he'll be in that seven to eight to nine-man rotation. He almost had a double-double too. And he had the most free throws for the team. Just another example of him just drawing contact and just playing through. Yeah, and you mentioned briefly that you he, you kind of see him beating out Semi. I see them operating on the floor at the same time. Brad kind of experimented with that towards the end of the the regular season before the hiatus. He was running Semi and Grant at the same time, and their defensive rating when them two guys are on the floor is actually quite good. It's one of those ones where you'll run Grant at the four or the small ball five and then have Shemi sliding at the three. Have Shemi on one of the best players on the team and then have Grant kind of taking turns on that guy and then the second option when we're talking about the other team's bench unit. You can really start spreading the floor with those guys as well. Grant showing that he's developed that three-point range from NBA level. Shemi is hit or miss from three, but last night he looked like he, he's really been working on his range. He's been working on his shooting motion. Those two guys off the bench, coupled with Marcus Smart, is a defensive death lineup. They will lock down teams regularly, special well, team second units, let's be fair. But they're gonna lock lock up quite a few teams' bench units. I can see them two in semi and Grant operating together regularly as we go through these seeding matchups. And if it's successful, then it probably will be something that Brad Stevens tries to implement during the during the playoffs, especially over a seven-game series where you can stagger those two over the first three games, four games, and then really surprise the team by bringing them on to close out quarters. This was by no way, sorry, Tim, a shot at Simi because Simi has been – listen, he had one of the best layups in in last night's scrimmage, right? The the finish, it it was like – he, he, he went up for the for the shot. He kind of brought it down around and, and it finished. Like, I mean, it rolled in to get in, but yo, that, that is showing progression in him finishing. Well, first getting to the basket and then finishing at the basket. It's not just a, I'm just going to try to like the, the thing I love about green is as soon as he gets the ball, on the block and he gets he sees one man go in the air for the fake shot he's going by you and he's trying to dunk all over you and and, and i love that he has the hops to do it even though he got a little banged up yesterday but this is no shot um this is no way a shot at Simi because Simi is definitely um someone i want to see persevere going forward in the celtic player i'm sorry tim go ahead bro no no all good i i definitely was surprised by Simi, and i think the one thing that we talked about before when we we're talking about these playing games, these scrimmages, what we're looking for, 
I said that I didn't trust Shemi with the ball. And so far he's, you know, he's put his money where the mouth is, you know, he's really, he's really just blown me away in just in terms of what I expected out of him. His shot, as we said last night in particular, was much more consistent. He looks like he's in better shape. He looks a little bit faster out there. He looks a little bit more slim. And it's paying off dividends so far. If he can be that veteran, especially as Adam said, playing him together with Grant Williams, some combination of them at the three and four or the four and the five, if they want to do a small ball lineup, that's going to be really interesting because both of them can handle the ball. Both of them, they can defend. Uh, they are both developed a lot more as passers and they are both capable of shooting the three ball. That's going to be big for the bench unit, especially if you're implementing, you know, if you've got an all systems go healthy Celtics roster, you're going to have smart grant and Shemi on the floor at the same time. Yeah. That's a defensive problem. That's going to be really fun to watch, but I also do want to throw some love for Rob Williams. The one thing I will say that was a little bit disappointing uh, with Time Lord was just the fact that he was six for 10 from the field, which is pretty good, but he's not getting a lot of rebounds. And I think a lot of that has to be where he's positioning himself around the basket. I wanted to see more of that. I didn't really see him putting his defensive presence into the game as much. And I don't know, maybe it's because it's against Houston. Houston's a little bit smaller. They're playing that small ball with P.J. Tucker, and they're a little bit faster. But in order for Time Lord to earn more minutes, he needs to be faster on defensive rotations, and he needs to be getting rebounds. That's just I mean, a lot, a, of the time, a lot of the time, he was getting switched on to Harden, which means he was playing out on the perimeter trying to stop Harden, getting his shot off, and... We all saw how that worked out when anybody tried to stop Harden getting his shot off. That guy was going for scrimmage MVP. Poor Vinny. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he does need to get more rebounds. I completely agree. He needs to use his body better when blocking out. He needs to position himself better, time his jumps more. But that's kind of one of the downsides to Rob Williams is he, he bites on pump fakes and he closes out so far out of the, out of the paint that getting a rebound is actually really difficult for him because he's too big. He's closed out. He's either got blown by other guys, pulled up for the jump shot. Now he has to turn, box out, and position for the rebound. There's just too many motions going through that he has to kind of complete before he's in a rebounding position. That, to me, is something he'll work on over the offseason. One of the next big things for him to attain is his defensive rebounding skill. On offense, I kind of mentioned this to you guys during our group chat, saying... I don't want to see him on the block ever. He's not a block player. He's not a post player. He's a rim-running vertical spacing big, which means he needs to be able to make defenses panic when he's rolling into the rim. At the moment, they can put one or two guys to drop coverage him, and they kind of take him out of the game unless he kind of gets them on his hip. If If he can add a jump shot coming off of the short roll, he's already added passes. He's a great facilitator out of the short roll. If he can add a mid-range jump shot on that, and then start mixing that in, you know, so come off a roll, hit a jump shot off the short roll, then maybe hit a couple of dimes. Now the defense has to push up to contest you because they need to clog the passing lanes and they need to expect that jumper. That's when you can start really making an effect as a rim runner. He, that's when, as they push up, you get them on your hip, you catch the lob, boom, you get the jam. That one little addition to his offensive output would be absolutely astronomically huge for him. He showed signs of it against Phoenix. Sorry, Wayne. Yeah. He showed signs of it against Phoenix. I want to see more of that. I want to see those reps getting put in now. So as the playoffs come around, he's comfortable 
And then when he is on the floor, it's an added dimension to his offensive output, which can then create more scoring opportunities on lob threats. Yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it was probably the, the opponents, the, the team that he played. Because dealing with, ev- listen, everybody in, on Houston's team is a three-point shooter. Like, that's just what they have. If you're going to be in that Dan and Tony system, you better be able to hit a three-point shot. I don't care if you play the one, the five, the bench, the, the, the other bench. Like, you just need to be able to hit your shots because they're going to they're gonna rotate the ball till you get in the space. And you got to be able to hit. And I think that's what he struggles with because he's still young. And I think he's going to be much better. But listen, I'm with you 100%, Adam. I want to see, and I'm not comparing him to um, DeAndre Jordan, but I think he can be a much better DeAndre Jordan because of the jump shot capability. See, see, if you watch Rob Williams, he's taking this midi shot. It looks ugly. I, I, it's not 100% pretty. But sometimes it rolls and goes in, and sometimes it goes out. But the confidence of him taking that, that you can see he's been working on that. And like you said, that would help stretch the defense a little bit. It would help change the defense rotations on him if he's able to hit those types of shots. We've seen this before with our bigs um, coming into the age of this the Brad Stevens system. We've seen them not shoot and then all of a sudden try to create the shot. Most of the bigs are stretched, so they're really shooting a three-point shot. But with Rob, if he can develop that that mid-range, you know, the the the, the ten, the 15-foot shot, this will allow defenses to play him differently because I want to see him at the rim every single time. I feel like every time he's in there with, with the point guard lobbing him that ball, he's going to make a play uh, at that rim. And that is – I can see that happening in the playoffs and just shocking – the whole daggone NBA world. Like, I could just see it because we've seen it before, especially with the uh, the young point guards in there. Let them get those assists off. Let him run to the rim to get those easy buckets. Force the defense to play him differently. But it all comes down to his gameplay. It all comes down to his mentality and his wit on the court, his IQ on the court. And I can see it getting better and better. The thing that's, in, uh, that's hurt, Rob Williams was his his injuries. So time on the court. And I think as the more, the more time he gets, the more you'll start to see the progression. And like you said, Adam, in the off season, and I I hate that we're talking about the off season already, but it's it's what's going to happen. Once the season's over in the off season, you want to see him work on, you know, rebounding, developing that shot more. It's just a confidence thing. Remember we're young, yo. So they're going to build it because there's one young guy that, our rookie that I just want to see him just hit these shots, man. Like he played a lot of minutes, but dude, he was like three for 10 from the three point <laughs> from the three point line. And that's Carson Edwards. And I'm really banking on this guy to hit these shots. Like at some point they're going to start falling. At least he's taking them, but back to Rob Williams, man, I really think Rob is going to be fine um, going forward. He does need to work on some things, but I think we talked about this on a previous show I like to see Rob on the floor with another big. And I think that helps him when it comes to figuring, you know, just being in the right places at the right time or the right spots to, you know, the other guy could do the rebounding so he can get back or whatever it is that they need to do. But I like him on the floor when it's too big. So whether it's Canner or, or whatnot, it, it's just a better or Tice. It's just a better feel or fit for Rob Williams. Yeah. So the way the Celtics set off with the big, is they like to play a high pick and roll game, which means the roll to the basket is long because you're going from the three-point line 
straight vertical towards the hoop. And that's why I think that mid-range jumper will open things up for Rob Williams. If you play Rob at the four and you have somebody setting a pin down for him to come off that pin when the pick and roll action is happening between the guard and the five, now you've got Rob in a perfect lob threat opportunity. The only problem is having Rob Williams and another big on the floor is you have no floor spacing. You're going very old school. You kind of need to rely on Rob's athleticism at that point and hope that your two or your three can set a good enough pin down for Rob to come off that off-ball screen and have the lob threat there. If not, then you need your ball handler to work some magic. I can see why it works. They tried it in the game yesterday. They put Taco and Rob in at the same time. It didn't really pop, but maybe that's because Taco doesn't have the basketball IQ necessary to make something like that work. Maybe you need a few starters in with that unit to really add that scoring punch and that passing punch. You did touch on Carson. I want to use the entire second segment of this show for Carson because I have some stuff I want to say. So, (laughs) Tim, do you want to lead us in with Romeo before we head off the break? Yeah, I mean, I think with Romeo, this was a tougher game for him, but overall he shot pretty well, three for seven from the field. I think the one thing that's going to help him stick in the rotation is just the fact that he's giving effort defense. At one point I saw him get knocked down, I think on a screen, and he got he popped right back up and he got back and was able to defend his man and get back out to the perimeter. So those are kind of the things you want to see from Romeo. I think he was definitely aggressive. The one thing I will say is when I saw him driving to the hoop at one point, it, it almost looked like he hit like a wet spot on the floor. And I think it's just because he's going a little bit fast. We saw, I think Wayne was texting with me and he said, it looks like wait, it looks like Romeo's driving to the hoop. Like he needs to pee because of how fast he was cutting to the rim. Um, yeah, I was so the I, 73 notifications in that group chat this morning. Thanks. We, we were talking a lot. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I promise. <laughs> with 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 Romeo specifically, I think it, it's similar to the Carson situation, right? Where I think he needs he needs to let that game slow down a little bit. I think the one difference between the two is because of Romeo's size and the position that he plays, uh, he's always going to have a role on this team if they put him out there. I think he's going to be that defensive guy who can help. And he's an offensive slasher. He's developed a lot more overall. And I think his game is a little bit more well-rounded. Switching back to Carson for a sec. I love the way he played. Super aggressive. One thing I will say is waters. No Carson. No Carson. Aw. Fine. Fine. I think Romeo, I think Romeo had a very good game. I just want to see if we can get a little bit more offensive consistency. Romeo is my guy, man. I'm good on this kid. I think he's going to be fine. Listen, you know what I love about Romeo, and I say it every show, is just the way he's able to rotate on defense and his size. I think everything else falls. You saw him get basket. You saw him do the things you want to see from a player like this at the three position or the two, wherever it is they decide they want to line him up or put him on. Nine points, two rebounds, two assists. I mean, that's that's what you're going to get. Um, coming off the bench I mean that that's pretty good solid numbers I think against different matchups listen this was (laughs) you guys said it this was a tough matchup like he had to either deal with Harden uh Gordon Harden and sometimes Westbrook if they were rotating you know the way they were rotating so he he was all over the court defensively for him to get his points off I think on a on a regular not a regular night but I guess a normal night against a regular 
a different, excuse me, a different type of unit that he'll have to face. You're going to see much more uh, production from Romeo Langford and and he Langford and he's getting it. Like guys, he's he's actually showing. I'm so impressed by the rookies. Like I'm I'm really impressed by the rookies in the system because you guys said it before. Brad rarely trusts rookies, right? And you're seeing rookies do their thing. Grant Williams, Romeo Langford. How much trust is he? Carson Edwards gets a lot of a lot of spotlight time, right? I know it's going to shift and change a little bit because we're about to really kick off the season. I can't wait. But I'm just saying, like, he's finding ways to trust in his guys. And they're doing – the more they play I, – I actually really love this game. I know we're about to go to break, but I really love this game because I we finally got to see – it's like watching a, a football preseason game where – all the starters aren't going to play and you want to see who's really going to be a standout on this team. And you really could see who are going to be some of the players that are going to be in the Celtics future. Hopefully quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, I liked what I saw from Romeo. I feel like he had a huge opportunity and kind of dropped the ball just a little bit. Could have done a bit better. He'd done way better against Phoenix. He was getting to the rim, which is what you want to see from a slasher. He was showing the, the willingness to shoot that corner free. I feel like a step back could help him. I also feel like a little bit more of an interior pick and roll could help him. I do feel like there's a lot of scalability there in terms of skill set. And I feel like he's going to be one of the names that has that big second year jump. He's definitely got the ability. He's shown it all the way through his um, high school and collegiate career. Less so in college because of that thumb injury. I'm impressed. I'm happy. His off-ball defense, on-ball defense are both intense. He makes sure he stays in front of his man. He knows what he needs to do to earn minutes, and he's doing it. I just would have liked to have seen a few more of them shots fall. But hey, he got to the line multiple times. So if you get into the rim and it's not dropping, but you get into the line, how can we really have a problem with that? Because you're doing what everybody's asked you to do. There we go. We're going to head to break, and then I'll let Tim talk about Carson as much as he wants. But I was very keen to keep casting to the second segment because I have a point I want to make and I want the debate to rage on from there. Okay, now we can talk about Carson. Okay, Tim? Now we can talk about Carson. Can we talk about Carson? Can we talk about Carson, please? (laughs) Okay, so the reason I didn't want anyone to talk about Carson, and I kind of alluded to this in the group chat, so I was very sad when people started talking about Carson, is because I feel like he's going to go the same way as Rogier. Needs starters minutes to be impactful. Can't really do it coming off the bench because he needs those reps and he needs that 20 minutes a game to really get warm and get their shots going. And I can see him having an opportunity at some point in the next 18 months where one of the main guards goes down. Most likely Kemba sits out due to load management or those knees flare back up. We see Carson get an extended run and then we have a repeat of Scary Terry. But he can only do that when he's getting starter minutes because it seems to be he starts in the summer league. He starts scoring at the rim. He starts hitting those threes. We start him in a scrimmage. Boom, what do we see? Okay, his shooting from deep weren't great, but he was doing things at the rim. He was cutting well. The game kind of started to slow down for him the more he was on the floor. It's very Rosier-esque for me. 
So I do understand what you're saying. And it very well could be like a volume thing. I mean, we did see him. This is probably the most shots I've seen him take for the Celtics. And it's probably, I think it's the highest scoring up that we've seen for him. It's the most shots you've seen him make for the Celtics. Yeah, also that true. Well, I don't know if he's taking that many shots. I mean, he was 8 for 18 from the field, 3 for 10 from 3. 8 for 18, that's definitely the most shot attempts I've seen for him for the Celtics. That's I don't probably think season, season total. <laughs> like, well, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, like, that being said, I, that's why I'm kind of – I'm hesitant with just to say the Rozier comparison because I think – But that's Terry, what we saw from Terry, right? He needed that volume to get going. He could never yeah, do it from I, the bench due to the limited offensive output he could do. Yeah, well, I think, I think that's different. I think the situations are inherently different. I think with Terry, I think Terry actually had like a legitimate bench role Correct. for a long stretch of time before we saw Terry become the Terry that we know now. Like Terry didn't just become scary Terry overnight. Terry earned a bench role and was excelling in that bench role for a long time. Then, you know, that was around the time that Isaiah was in there. And then after that, you know, you had Kyrie in the situation. Kyrie goes down before the playoffs happen. Terry gets a starting role. And this That's is where that ego comes in. Terry also barely played in his first season. Yeah, but Terry was also a first-round pick. That, I think fair. it's a different situation. I, mean, I, I could see it going down that path. I could see Carson needing to be a volume shooter just based on his size. I mean, granted, that was one of the best offensive games we've seen from him because he got force-fed and he had the green light and he was aggressive. And he was doing things that I want him to do. You know, he was moving that ball around. He was looking for his guys. He was cut for the hoop. He wasn't afraid to shoot. That for a young guy is huge, massive. But he also had five personal fouls. So there are things that he needs to work on in order to excel. But we haven't even got him to the point where he's getting the same kind of bench role that Terry Rozier was getting pre-Kyrie. We haven't seen that yet. So I want to see him get to that point, and then we'll go from there. He very well might be one of those Terry Rozier kind of players where he needs those major minutes. He needs that volume of shooting in order to be not even just efficient, but productive. And if that's what it is, that's what it is. And, you know, it very well might be a situation where you, where you move him. But at the same time, I don't even think we've seen enough to really justify that Terry comparison i could see it being like a volume I'm not, thing, I'm not, no 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 please don't get me wrong i'm not saying he's as skilled as terry i'm saying <laughs> it's a volume thing i'm saying he needs those reps so and that's why terry left and that's why we probably won't ever see the best of carson edwards while he's on the celtics that's the the correlation i'm trying to make because he yeah. needs those minutes i'm not saying he's he's not as tall as terry he's not as skilled on the glass as terry he's probably not as good as a playmaker as terry but what I'm saying is, without that volume, without that 15 to 20 minutes a night, he's not going to produce what he's capable of producing. That's the point I'm trying to make. The only difference that I see between him and Terry, I think Terry edges him maybe in the defensive category. I think, I think, Terry, I think Terry Rogier on ball D was like, I mean, you went from Avery Bradley to 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 him, Marcus. Like they 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 just came in that same. I'm gonna lock you up like a pit bull, and I'm not gonna let you go. For me, I thought I, I, I and you can call me crazy, guys, but I thought Terry wasn't was a, had when he his role was to be on the bench. I thought he came in and played excellent minutes and shot very well off the bench 
one of those seasons, I thought he was going to possibly win like that six man award. I thought, and then when Terry got inserted into the starting lineup, the ego took over for me. This, this is what I'm saying. And I do agree with Adam on the volume. I think Carson just needs to play. I, I, I just think that's what it is. He needs to start, play, shoot. And once those shots start falling, <laughs> once they start falling, I think you're going to see a better. Go ahead, Tim. Start. So, so not, not over this unit, but I, what Adam was saying is when he starts, he's able to get more volume in. When he doesn't start, you're going to see him second-guess shots, take shots, crazy shots, not finish at the – like, you're just going to see a different way of style that he's playing. He has to learn how to come off the bench and be just as effective, Tim. Let me just say this. I don't think he is ever going to be a starter in this league. NBA. <laughs> I don't – It's not funny, but I part, – part of, part of it is his size. And granted, we saw him throw down a really nasty dunk. That dunk was really nasty. Not going to lie. Did not expect it. Came out of nowhere. MVPs. Two. Yeah. Two MVPs, man. Simultaneously. But that being said, yeah, it might come down to being volume. But I just don't – I can't think of a team in the league that's going to start him right now. He needs a bigger bench role. What, what we're really saying at the end of the day is he needs more minutes to be effective. That doesn't necessarily mean he needs to be a starter, but it means that he needs more minutes to be effective. He needs about 15 um, minutes a game. And, and he ain't getting that in Boston ever. Because not yet. Too, not, not ever. There's just too many people in front of him. There's too many good guards in the draft. There's just too much in his way. And I don't see him ever being able to become that scorer that he is capable of being when playing six to eight minutes a night. The only I way can... I can see it happening is running him at the two guard as the off ball guard on the second unit on a 10 to 12 minutes a night, but he needs you... to show you can score. Yep. I... You know where he would fit in Houston. <laughs> that's where he would. <laughs> yeah, he would as well. That's the worst. Maybe thing. that's why they showcased him. <laughs> I mean, they let him get the green light. I think it's part of it's just seeing if he can earn minutes. And then also it's like, hey, this is another guy that we have who's a capable offensive guy when he gets the time. So who knows? Yeah, Houston's a good call. Yeah, I mean, that that's just their offense. That's their offense. Like, run and shoot. Hey, man, get to your spot. I just, I just, man, I'm rooting for this kid, man. Listen, I know his size doesn't, his size doesn't fit, like, the typical point guard for NBA. But, dude. He banged on Russell Westbrook and James Harden in a scrimmage. And it sucks that it was a scrimmage because not everybody got to see it and everybody didn't get the same effect as the Celtics fans got. But I know I was reposting that junk, that sucker, because I want yeah. every world to see that this kid has no fear. That, and that, that jam did come off the back of a missed rotation, though. I don't care what, how, how it happened. It happened. He, that's, that's called IQ. You guys talk about it every time. That's called luck. <laughs> it's called he saw the guy go uh, not come and rotate, and he's going to the hoop. It was him one-on-one. It's, hey, man, you can call it what you want. Opportunistic was- situation. <laughs> love it. I love it. I see what you're saying, though. I see what you're saying. I just feel like if we're saying, oh, Carson's height is what's holding him back, but in the next breath, everyone's saying, give Trey Mark Waters, Brad Wanamaker's minutes. There's a bit of a double standard here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, because 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 we think Tremont is the 
better playmaker. But we're saying right? height. We're but saying height holding him back. It's not just height that's holding Carson back. It's the it's the matter of being able to actually play as a guard, like a it's legitimate being point Carson. guard. He never that's mentioned height again. Then, so because I I feel like we cripple ourselves. We talk about height, and then people it's are a like, factor. "He's a small." It is a factor, but he has heart. And he just has to figure out how to play off the bench. I, I, you know, he has heart. I don't care what you guys think. He has heart. Yeah, I think that's fair, man. For sure. Yeah, I, I just, I just want to see him. I'm just creating talking points. I'm saying if we're saying Carson's height's an issue, and then we're saying Tremont's height's not an issue, then you know why we kind of say that, guys, is because they play differently. And I agree. I get it. They're both short, but you're not seeing Tremont try to, you know, bang. Or, or whatnot, or, or, or do different things. I just think that we accept Tremont as a playmaker and we expecting Carson to be this scorer. And, it, I mean, and it's just not happening yet. They're both not scoring a lot, but <laughs> it's, and it's because they're not playing a lot too. But when Tremont's on the floor, you cannot tell me that the fluidity of the game isn't what we like. Like that, I think that's what we're, you know, amazed by. Like, oh my God, did you see that pass? Oh, he's get, oh, he's gonna take the shot. All right, cool. Like he even sets Carson up. I, I like watching the, the those guys on the floor. I like watching him, uh, Tremont and uh, Romeo Lane for it at the same time. You know, it just it just seems this could be like the new Celtics five, and it, it's never gonna happen according to Adam. So I'm gonna stop talking about them. All right. No, no, is that what you're saying? It's not going to happen according to me as those three guys as part of the core. Because we have, we have, this, this is Adam. I love, I love you, Adam, because you're always looking forward to the future. You're going to be a true GM someday, right? So you're, this is what we have. You ain't beating these guys out. And this is what's coming up. You ain't beating these guys. So it's like, earn your spot now, earn your keep and, you know, keep progressing, getting better. You're not saying that they won't get better. You're just saying that, you know, with the opportunities you have now, you better take them, make the best of them. Because, I mean, you could say that for any player because a player can get injured. Uh, players can get traded, right? Things can happen to where things, you know, you just are not in control of. So, for, I think your statement is for every player in the NBA. I don't care if your name was Michael Jordan. Like, you better go out there and earn your keep each and every night. Well, that's what they're meant to do. And this is the point with... With three draft picks coming up, you've got guys like Kira Lewis, you've got Halliburton, you've got Tyrese Maxey. You've got so many different guards that can come in and take these guys' spots. Don't forget, Tremont's not on the Celtics roster. Tremont is a two-way. At the end of the season, Tremont is a free agent. There is no definitive plan that anybody knows of that means Tremont is on that team next year. Carson Edwards got signed to a, a multi-year deal off the back of his summer league it was probably a mistake they probably should have picked Tremont up on that deal Carson mm-hmm. Edwards has the lowest trade value of anyone on that Celtics roster outside of probably Poirier ouch then you look at so both of those guys are not in a position to really be fighting for hardcore minutes in the playoffs because neither of them have shown enough through the season to say that hey we're ready for playoff basketball it's one thing being named the G League MVP. That's the G League. You're playing against other guys that weren't good enough to make it to the NBA. And now you want to go and play against the best in the NBA in the playoffs and think you're going to bang. It, I'm just very real on, on how this is going to play out. And I'm very real on what development needs to be made. 
and what your options are at the end of the season to make that roster better. Because in my eyes, if they don't get past the Eastern Conference Finals with this team, there's going to be a few moves to to shore up that second unit, and I can they see, have to. Yeah, and I don't see Trainmark taking a second two way deal next year. I don't see that happening either, and that's also the same thing we've we've talked about before when it comes to these draft picks. They've got so many; they have to move stuff around. There's going to be some kind of consolidation deal, and it may come down to moving two first round picks plus a player or two to either get a bench player that is capable of immediately contributing for the offensive side or it's going to involve moving up further in the draft and taking you know a dice roll on a guy that you think is going to be able to help you but the bench really does need to get short up in terms of scoring and it, it it's tough because I do want to try and believe in guys like Carson and I do want to believe in guys like Tremont Waters but there's so much risk with it and I just I, I think this Houston game was good in order to give these young guys not only giving the top seven guys in the rotation rest, but also to just kind of see where these young guys are on the bench, like where they're at. And if they get these kind of big opportunities, what's going to happen. And this also should be kind of a glimpse for Celtics fans to say like, Hey, what happens if two guys are injured or like one guy's sick with COVID or Gordon's out and then something happens with Kemba. And then you've got this going on. Like who are we going to be giving rotation minutes to? See, and I think maybe part of that also is just Danny Ainge looking at the situation and saying, hey, let's see what we've got with these young guys, see what we need to look over, what we need to improve on, and who we could potentially be moving on from this summer. Because right now it's just a matter of time before we're going on to the draft talk, man. It's not that far away. I'm just defending myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, of course. (laughs) You did it well too. You did it really well. I just put a lot of um, I put a lot of stuck in how things are going to change and what you need to do to stay and what you need to develop. And I watch a ton, and I mean a bucket load of game film after every game to see who's in the spots, who isn't in the spots. And I genuinely believe that Carson Edwards will not make the rotation on this team in the next two years unless there's a huge jump in his ability to score off the bench or there's some form of injury or consolidation that pushes him further up. But there's some true scorers in this draft that could end up making him spend the next two years in the G League if they pick up a guy like Bay, Sadiq Bay, who can come off the bench and light it up. If you look at Grant Ryler that can come off the bench and light it up, who's going to be available in two different regions of the Celtics picks. There's just too many variables that tell me that Carson Edwards isn't going to figure things out quick enough to be a Celtic long term. I think we'll end it there. Yeah. Perfect ending spot. We'll be back Friday. That's the day after tomorrow. We'll see you then. <laughs>